A young guy came to my door the other day, probably about a month ago, with his girlfriend. His name was Benjamin, not actually his real name, we'll just call him that. But his dog was named Harley. It was a beautiful German Shepherd mix, a rescue, but just a beautiful mix. Healthy looking, probably 70, 80 pounds, if I recall. Just a great dog, just gorgeous. Benjamin was a young guy. He was a software engineer, bright. As I got to know him, he was a very bright guy. And that was evident really from almost the moment he walked in the door. But there was a problem when he walked in the door. He had a prong collar on the, on the dog. And that's the first thing I notice when a dog comes in. Oh no, a prong collar. And not only that, but Benjamin was throwing commands at this dog nonstop. Sit, stay, look at me, leave it, leave it, leave it. He was jerking the leash and it was super obvious that the dog was super stressed. And as nice as Benjamin was, I was really feeling bad for Harley because that dog was stressed out of his mind. German Shepherds, one cool thing about them, it's one of my favorite breeds too, by the way. German Shepherds are real demonstrative with their body language. If you had a course on how to read dog body language, that would be a good one to learn on because it's real obvious what they're thinking. And it was very obvious this dog was stressed. Well, through our sessions and as I got to know Benjamin, great guy, by the way, he had tried everything with his dog to help with his aggression. The dog was super aggressive to dogs and humans, which is pretty common for German shepherds. Not all of them, but many of them. He had tried all kinds of prong collars, shock collars, board and trains where you leave the dog for two weeks and they're supposed to help with the aggression, get that taken care of. But what he found was things were just getting worse and worse and worse. Benjamin was really, really stressed. And in this case, I really felt bad for both the dog and for Benjamin. In today's episode, things you're told that are supposed to help your dog's aggression, that is to make it less, but almost always make it worse. So before we get too much into ways to treat your dog's aggression, let's make sure we're not doing anything that makes it worse. Hi, I'm Scott Schaefer, and you're listening to the Dog Aggression Answers Podcast. I've worked with thousands of aggressive dogs and their owners, and I'm certified by two international certifying organizations in dog behavior. In this podcast series, I'll explain why your dog is acting aggressively and provide recognized science-based answers, things you can do to make things better. Understanding and addressing your dog's aggression will make living with your dog better, and let's not forget improve your dog's life too. As is true with almost all dogs that are aggressive, was true also for Benjamin's dog, Harley. His dog was afraid. His dog was afraid of the trigger. And in Benjamin's case, or I should say Harley's case, the trigger was dogs and humans. Harley was afraid of unfamiliar dogs and unfamiliar humans. And I know with German Shepherds, that's really hard for some people to get their head around because German Shepherds are pretty ferocious looking. They're pretty big. How could they be afraid? Well, they are. They are. They're not afraid of their owners, in this case, Benjamin, because he knows his owner. And so he's not afraid of the owner. 
but they are afraid of dogs and they are afraid of unfamiliar humans. And the way they handle that is through aggression to keep the scary thing away. And so they use aggression, keep the scary thing away. About 90 to 95% of dogs do that. Some dogs will try to run away, but the vast majority for a number of reasons we'll get into in other episodes use aggression. Let me give you an example of what Harley was doing, the types of aggression he was showing. The first one has to do with dog-to-dog reactivity or dog aggression. And the way Benjamin described it, and this is really typical, Benjamin said he'd be walking Harley down the street and he would see some other person walking their dog at a distance coming toward him. This could have been on a trail, on a street, wherever, walking around a lake. And he said that the, the second Harley saw that dog, he was at attention. He wasn't acting aggressively. He wasn't barking, lunging, whining, doing those kinds of things, pulling real hard on the leash. But he was really paying attention. And the term for this is called hypervigilance, by the way, where a dog is very fearful and is always looking for these scary things. But the really important feature that Benjamin said was as they got closer to this other dog, Harley started to really pull hard, really pulled hard toward the dog in an aggressive fashion. Kind of would lunge, kind of come up on the leash with just his back feet on the ground, would whine, would growl, and as he got real close, he would start to bark. And then as they moved past, he would look back at the dog and continue to look back at the dog until a certain amount of distance went by and Harley relaxed a little bit and they could continue on. Another example of Harley's aggression that Benjamin gave me was when people would come into his home. And this is called territorial aggression, or it's also called sentry dog, S-E-N-T-R-Y, territorial fear aggression. It goes by a lot of names. But just to keep it short here, it's a type of aggression that's associated with territory that the dog decides. And it's almost always much more severe than what the dog presents with outside the home. And this is an example of human aggression. Benjamin was saying that when someone would come to his front door and ring the doorbell, that Harley would go ballistic in a quarter of a second. Very, It was kind of scary, he said. And when the person came in, he said Harley would stand at a distance from him, just really keeping an eye on him, barking, but never getting too close, keeping at a distance. And even if the person came in and threw treats at him and tried to be nice to him, it just didn't seem to get better. In fact, it got worse. However, he said sometimes when Harley would notice that the visitor had calmed down and maybe sat down and wasn't paying him too much attention, that Harley would get a little bit more friendly and so forth. But he noticed that as soon as the visitor stood back up, boy, it all started over again. Well, these are all classic symptoms of aggression. And one is human-directed and one is dog-directed. And these are the kinds of aggression, fear aggression, that we see dogs do, that we see so many people will punish the dog for. But the crazy part is they're punishing the dog's symptoms, the behavioral symptoms, not the root cause, which we know now is fear. We're going to talk a lot more about that in upcoming episodes and how to treat that correctly. But we say they punish the dog. What is punishment? What does that look like? Well, let me give you some examples. The first one, the one that just is really horrifying to behavior consultants like myself, would be shock collars. They're called e-collars sometimes to kind of make them sound, I think, a little less scary. 
or bad. But what they do is they just shock the dog's neck. There's a couple of really nasty probes that typically stick into the skin. And at the owner's request, typically a little re- remote button, they push it and the dog gets zapped. And so what we're doing or what the owner is really doing here is punishing the dog's behavior for being afraid. Do you see how bad this is? Think about it. Think about it. Old Harley sees a visitor coming into his home. And he's scared of the visitor, doesn't want him in there for a number of reasons. And the owner's instructed when he shows this type of aggression to start zapping him. Well, the problem with that is you think that's calming old Harley down any. Well, of course not. It's making it worse. It's making the association he has with that scary thing even worse. It tamps down the behavior for a second, but the root cause, the fear, is only getting worse. Prong collars are the same way. We all know what prong collars are, I think. They're those expandable and claspable type of collars that pinch on a dog's neck. In fact, sometimes they're called pinch collars. But they have these nasty, nail-like looking prongs that go into a dog's neck, and the collar can be jerked to really embed those prongs into the dog's neck to punish them for any types of aggressive behaviors like you would see when someone comes into your home, for example. Also, both of these are done, shock collars and prong collars, for the outside the home aggression that we just talked about. For example, the aggression shown toward a dog that's walking by. So I'm giving the example here of a human coming into the home. These tools are also used outside when any type of aggression is observed. Another one would be a choke collar, which is just a collar, typically chain that really cinches down on the dog's neck. This one's not as bad, but it's still punishing. It's still making these bad associations and it's not helping. Probably the least troublesome for me, but yet still troublesome would be leash pops. So the dog has a standard collar on, but the owner's instructed to really just pop that leash, just really whack that leash with their hand and thus therefore really hit the dog's neck with a lot of pressure not pleasant for the dog, whenever the dog is acting aggressively. And boy, this is one that I see all the time. It's very popular on TV dog training shows, or as I like to call them, made-for-TV dog training shows where everything is fixed in 20 minutes. There's nice background music and everybody's happy at the end, which we all know is kind of not too realistic. A lot of dog trainers who have worked with dogs before I see them have instructed their owners to do a lot of these leash pops. Here's the thing to remember. Punishment is punishment. Pain is pain. If we don't want to do this stuff, let's talk about why punishment is bad with an aggressive dog. Well, we already know that you're just punishing the symptom, not the root cause. And because this punishment, and this is crazy when you think about this, because the punishment, no matter what form it takes, we talked about a few just a second ago, The punishment, no matter what form it takes, occurs as the dog is acting aggressively. So the dog is looking at this scary thing. Let's say a dog or a human, for example, is looking at it. He's already afraid. And it's called a conditioned emotional response. So he's afraid. And now the owner is now punishing the dog at the same time. What's happening here? It's making it worse. The dog is already afraid and fearful. And he now knows that when he gets around this thing, that he's getting punished too. He's getting neck jabs or shocked. So the association with the thing gets worse. The dog is learning 
that whenever this thing is around, things really get bad fast. And how does the dog respond? The dog responds by really doing his or her best to keep the scary thing away. And how does he do that? With aggression. Do you see the terrible, terrible circle we're getting in here? Now, here's the thing, and it's called masking. Dogs aren't stupid. They learn over time that, wow, when I bark like this, I get zapped. I get shocked. I get buzzed. I get my prong collar pulled. I get a leash pop. So I'm going to stop doing that. But here's the real problem with this. It doesn't change the conditioned emotional response. It doesn't change that underlying fear at all. All it does is make the dog say, okay, I'm not going to show this outward behavior, but boy, I'm a ticking time bomb inside and it's getting worse and worse. And what happens? Well, that threshold of aggression keeps getting higher and higher, but at some point, guess what happens? The dog goes over that threshold and bites somebody. This is where you hear all these stories about a dog that never bothered anybody. He never was aggressively and quote unquote, out of nowhere, he bit this person or he bit this dog. Well, now you know one of the reasons for that behavior. It's called masking. The dog is hiding his behaviors, hiding his behaviors until he can't stand it anymore. And boy, when it comes out, it comes out big time. A lot of analogies here, by the way, to child rearing and some human psychology there, but that's that's for another episode. The thing is, these kinds of things that owners are trained to do, this punishment type of stuff, looks like it works because it almost does kind of in the, in the short run. Because of masking, the dog learns to mask those behaviors. But we now know that the underlying problem, fear, is not getting better and almost certainly getting worse. It keeps owners like Benjamin doing this because they see some gains. They go, well, this, this must be kind of working. And what is so crazy to me, and I cannot tell you how many times I've heard this, hundreds, someone has taken a dog to a dog trainer who uses those kind of techniques. Let's say a shot collar is a great example. And they come into me and they say, well, Scott, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And I had to do something. And like, I just have a lot of these kind of cases. And I asked them, I said, well, what did the dog trainer tell you to do when these behaviors started coming back? In other words, kind of unmasking, without exception, 100% of the time they say, turn up the voltage, make that zap even more. And so we start this cascade, this circular cascade of problems, and it just gets worse and worse and worse until no one can even be around the dog anymore. It gets so bad. So you see how this happens, and it's just really a scary thing. Let's talk about something else that people do to help with their dog's aggression. We've talked about punishment techniques and made some broad statements about that. Let's talk about board and trains. This is where dog owners send their dogs away to a, some organization, and they take the dog. Typically for two weeks is pretty common, I found, and they work on the dog. Well, these can. These can. These can work pretty well when you're talking about basic obedience training, sit, stay, down, come, manners, things like that. This can be good. Although there's a lot of bad schools out there that use punishment techniques and I think inexperienced people, but there are some good ones for sure. Of course, one of my biggest concerns was 
or is the owner transference of knowledge. In other words, they train the dog, but what is the owner learning? Because it's the owner that, that manages the dog once the two-week period is over. However, when it comes to working on aggression, the story is not so good. I find very few of these board and trained schools where you send the dog away for a couple of weeks that come back with good results. And I'm going to tell you just a couple of reasons why. But before I do, let me say, are there some schools that effectively do this? Yes, there are some. I will tell you in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where I live, I can think honestly of a very small handful, like less than three, that I would trust my dog to that may have good results. At least we're not worried about the dog getting worse or them hurting the dog. But so many of them shouldn't be doing this and the dogs come back worse. And my evidence of that is so much of my business comes from dogs that have gone to these boarding trains. I mean, it's just, it really kind of makes me mad. I have to be honest with you. They take the dog into these boarding trains, the owners do, and they trust these training organizations and they pay them thousands and thousands of dollars. More on that in a second. And the dog comes back worse. A month or two later, they're at my front door. And that just tells me a lot. That tells me a lot. I see this repeated over and over and over. Again, are there some good ones? Yep, but you cannot, I'm telling you, you cannot be too careful. Let's talk about why they have some problems, why this might be. First of all, these board and trains are interested in fast results. If nothing else, board and trains have to deliver results. At the end of two weeks, you have to see your dog and, oh, wow, look at the difference. It's like plastic surgery. When I get the plastic surgery, I want it to look better after the surgery's over. Well, they want fast results, and these training schools know that punishment is the fastest. It's not very durable. In other words, when we use punishment to change a behavior, we now know that we're really just changing the symptom, especially on a behavioral problem like aggression. So these results are not durable because of masking that we talked about earlier. And really, since no one is there looking, since they're training these dogs in private, they can use plenty of punishment. The next one is, we already mentioned this, is that the owner is not trained. The dog lives with the owner. The owner has to understand what kind of maintenance things need to be done with the dog. Another problem I have with board and trains is who works there? Are they really experienced dog behavior consultants who truly understand aggression and scientific treatment methods? Or are they just going by something they saw on TV, which said, just punish the dog? And that is always very concerning. That's always kind of a factor there. Aggression, and for that matter, most significant behavioral problems in dogs can be fixed in one or two weeks. It just can't be. In fact, we can argue that it can't be fixed at all. It can be improved, but it'll never be quote-unquote fixed And we certainly aren't going to see any significant improvement in one or two weeks. It just doesn't work that way. It's a much longer process if you're really wanting to treat the root cause with a way that has long-term durable results. Benjamin had spent several thousand dollars with a two-week board and train. And like so many that I see, Harley came back worse. Again, 
Are there some places that actually do this kind of treatment and, and it can get you going in the right direction possibly? Yes, but you cannot be too careful. I see so many bad endings to these kinds of situations. So what doesn't work for aggression? Punishment doesn't work in any form. Why? Because it's attempting to treat the symptom, not the root cause, which is fear. I had a victory with Benjamin. He's what a, what a sweet guy, as most of my clients are. What a great guy. And his girlfriend, too. Great folks. And Harley, by the way, too. When you understand that these dogs are fearful and are not, quote unquote, bad, it makes you see the dog completely in a different way. I talked to Benjamin on his very first appointment. And at the end of the appointment, I'm about ready to cry just telling you this because I love when this happens. He left Harley's prong collar on the table and walked out the door. And so many of these I actually will send to peers in the, in the industry or I'll put on my Facebook page. I'll post these. It's a victory. It's like, yeah, let's get rid of that thing. Let's just leave it on the table, walk out and I'll throw it away. Because as, as alluring as that prong collar seems or that shock collar or those leash pops or the choke collars or a hundred other things that are punishing to the dog, we know scientifically, they don't provide a real answer and certainly not one that's going to last any amount of time. Harley's long-term outcome was good, was really good. Why? Had a great dog to start with. We knew what the issue was. We treated it properly and Benjamin got it. It was super cool. The puzzle was made clear to him. So everything else after that, he kind of knew, I'm talking about Benjamin. Benjamin kind of knew what to do. He goes, oh, I this is fear-based, and we want to make him feel better about the trigger, not worse. And that helped to guide his action. Speaking of action, what do I want you to do? I want you to think about how you might be intentionally or unintentionally, unconsciously punishing your dog. We all know that you love your dog and you're not doing these things to make your dog worse. Who would? No one does that. But you could be, and you might be doing it unintentionally, just as a knee-jerk reaction, might be unconscious. I want you to really think how you might be using aggression yourself towards your dog's aggression and why that can be back. Because punishment is, is a form of aggression. And that even includes yelling at your dog. It's just not going to help. There are things that we're going to talk about that will, that really will. We're going to give you some long-term ways to treat your dog's aggression that you can implement in many, many cases. As I like to always say, if you have a dog who is aggressive and dangerous to humans, please make sure you check with a certified dog behavior consultant for direct assistance and take proper measures to ensure your dog is never in a position to injure anyone. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, would you subscribe to this podcast on any of the popular podcast players. There's a button at the bottom of the landing page on dogaggressionanswers.com if you'd like to leave me a message. I try to answer all these messages and always appreciate any kind of input. Thank you for joining me today. Before you go, please subscribe if you haven't already. If not for yourself, do it for your dog. If you find these episodes helpful, please leave a review. I'll see you next time as we continue your journey of addressing your dog's aggression. Now go hug your dog.